Welcome to the Covenant Experience Podcast. At Covenant, we are growing passionate followers of Jesus Christ who serve all people. If you live in the tri-state area, we welcome you to join us on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. You can find more information about us online at covenantexperience.com or call us at 304-876-2212 with any questions. And now today's message. Good morning. What a wonderful time of worship so far. And uh, I have the pleasure this morning of introducing our speaker. Um, He's an interesting man. He's a veteran of the Navy. He's a nurse at the VA. He is actually one of our elders. And I can say a lot more about Jack Tennant, but I'm going to tell you the one thing I can tell you, if you know him for any length of time, the one thing you will learn about him is he absolutely loves Jesus. And he wants to share with us this morning, what God has placed on his heart. So won't y'all help me in welcoming Jack to the stage. Thank you, buddy. Good morning. So I'm grateful for this opportunity to open God's word with you this morning. The word that I have for you this morning has, has been something that's been on my heart for a number of years. And how fortuitous that God will bring us to this point in this year to share it with you now. Because it's been a very exciting summer with all the guest speakers that we've had. And one of the things that I've noticed is a reoccurring theme that has aligned itself with what I have to share with you today. But before I do that, Let's pray. Father God, I'm grateful for this opportunity, Lord, to share your word with your people. I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would empower me, would speak through me, that there would be so much more of you and so much less of me. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock my Redeemer. As uh, Kim shared with us this morning, the reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18, that God, Christ has reconciled us to himself and has given you and me the ministry of reconciliation. I grew up in a family six children, and that by today's standards, that's a pretty big family. And we did not always get along like most families don't. Sometimes we would argue, we would fight, we would bicker and complain about one another. And if there's one thing that my mother and my parents could not stand was arguing at the dinner table. That was forbidden. And when we were really young, One of the things that mom used to tell us, that if we didn't quit doing that, she was going to make us hug and kiss one another. And if there's anything in the world that young people do not want to hear, is that you're going to have to hug and kiss somebody that you're mad at. As we got older, that threat didn't work so well. Called for more drastic measures. Mother would, would say that she was going to, going, to, going to whip the whole shooting match was her way of saying that 
She was going to line us up from oldest to youngest. And as I said, there were six of us. I was fifth out of six children. And just because you were near the end didn't necessarily mean you were going to get off any lighter. By then, that just meant that she was coming into her second wind. Sorry, that's a bad illustration. You know, my mother, my mother used to get very upset you know, with us when we would talk, tell stories about the spankings and paddlings that, that we would get back in the day. And uh, she said, you know, it, it made it sound like the only thing she ever did was beat us, you know. And, and that was not true. That was not true. My mother, my mother did discipline us in love, you know, and we knew that we were loved. And um, so and I'm very grateful. And as far as I'm concerned, I probably didn't get enough of that. I uh, probably wouldn't have made some of the mistakes that uh, if any of you have ever heard my testimony, which I've shared with the youth and uh, with the men's breakfast, uh, you may know that, uh, that, I, I, that uh, I'd made quite a mess of my life and that God was able to take that mess and turn it into a message. But we're not here to talk about that today. Maybe we'll do that another day. But today, I do remember that oftentimes as children that we'd be fighting tooth and, tooth and nail and then about 30 minutes later, it was like nothing had ever happened. We'd be playing together and for completely forgotten all about that. It seems that we had a way of forgiving and forgetting back then as children that as adults, we don't do so well with anymore. Reconciliation was much simpler back then. But family arguments are nothing new. All through God's word, you'll see many instances beginning in Genesis. As early as Cain and Abel, they both had made, had made sacrifices. Abel's sacrifice pleased God, and Cain's didn't. He became jealous and killed his brother. Abraham and Lot had such large herds that the ground land was not large enough to support them. So they decided to part ways because they couldn't let a rift come between them because they knew they had to depend on one another for support. So Abraham told, told Lot to take your pick of the land. You, know, you choose and I'll choose the other. So they, they parted ways, but, uh, but they, remained, they remained supportive of one another. It was Jacob and Esau. I mean, these two started fighting in the womb over who was going to be born first. And of course, we know how that worked out with Esau being born first. And um, sometimes like parents, some, some parents will have, have favorites. And of course, uh, the father picked uh, Esau and the mother picked Jacob. And um, they ended up, uh, Esau came in from the hunt, as you all probably remember. He was starving and his brother was, was very close to mom and much like myself, had a real passion for cooking and uh, wanted something to eat that Jacob had made. And uh, Jacob said, some of your birthright. So Jacob's name, Jacob's name has, has, has many different meanings, meanings and we learn, uh, of course, his brother called him a cheater, you know, and uh, another name was supplanter. And I had, I had to Google that. 
And uh, one of the things that it means is for someone who, who takes over a situation on purpose for their own, for their own benefit. And we also know the story of Joseph, who was a favorite son of his father. And of course, that made his brothers very jealous. And it didn't help out when Joseph would tell his stories about the dreams he had. So, you know, I had a dream that we were out binding sheaves in the field, and all of your sheaves bowed down to mine. And needless to say, his brothers didn't think much of that. He had another dream said, you know, about the stars, the sun and the moon and the stars all bowed down. And, and even, even Jacob, his father, was offended by that. So Jacob was sent out to check on his brothers as they were herding the sheep. And he shows up sporting this fancy coat of many colors. And his brothers see him coming. Ah, here comes the dreamer. And they schemed plotted to kill him. But then Reuben said, no, let's not, let's not do that. You know, let's, let's, let's hide him and sell him into slavery and to the initial, a group of Ishmaelite travelers were coming through and they sold their brother and he ended up in the, in the house of Potiphar and ultimately was the prime minister of, uh, of Egypt. And through him, managed to save the entire world as it was known at that time. And his brothers did come and bow before him. And Joseph had the opportunity of a lifetime to pay back his brothers, but he did not. He chose reconciliation. On, even in the, in the New Testament, there are other illustrations. There's, there's Paul and Barnabas that had such a heated argument over John Mark, that they ended up parting ways. And uh, Udia and Sinichi were two sisters in the Lord. I don't know that they were necessarily related, but had a, had a dispute. And, and Paul, you know, Paul called them out. This is recorded in God's word. I implore you, he said, I implore you, you know, to, to quit this fighting. And then later on, disagreements in the church begin to pop up. Uh, we're getting ready to come up on an anniversary date, October 31st, the anniversary of Martin Luther King, Martin Luther, I'm sorry, uh, in 1517, when he had had about enough of the abuses of the Catholic Church, and he nailed his 95 theses on the Castle Church at Wittenberg, disputing the abuses of the church. And that, my friends, started the Reformation. So church splits are nothing new. In fact, according to the Center for the Study of Global Christianity, there are more than 45,000 denominations of Christianity in the world today. 200 of those are in the United States of America. And each and every one of these denominations all started out of a split from a larger church to smaller ones. And we have effectively broken up the body of Christ 
to the point in this country where we are more focused on our differences than what we share in common. We'd rather argue and disagree and be disagreeable. Jesus prayed in John 17, verse, 20, verse 21. Lord, that they may be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I am in you. Brothers and sisters, when we keep our eyes on Jesus as the author and the finisher of our faith, rather than the differences we have with one another, we will truly change this nation and the kingdom that Jesus Christ came to save. A few weeks ago, Pastor Bob Roberts said that we are coming into one of the greatest periods of destabilization in this nation's history. Toxic polarization has divided this nation between us versus them, between Democrats versus Republicans, and Republicans versus Democrats, liberals versus conservatives, and conservatives versus liberals. And it's tearing this country apart. It's even begun to have some impact in the church, where sometimes you have preachers talking about uh, how people ought to vote, which, by the way, is one thing that you'll never hear from this stage. We encourage people to exercise your, your right to vote. It is your responsibility to vote, but no one from this stage will ever tell you how to vote. And people have many different thoughts on what's causing this divide in this country. I mean, it's very, very easy. It's very easy to, to blame something or someone for something. But let me assure you from this stage, from where I stand, that it is the devil. Whatever you might think about him, whatever society may think about him, let me tell you what 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says to you and I. Be sober. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And Jesus said that the devil comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, and a house divided against itself will surely fall. And don't misunderstand me, the devil is very subtle. It's not like he comes in, you know, spouting all this hate and discontent. He's, he's very, very subtle. Ephesians uh, 6, verse 12, says that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. So our disagreements are not necessarily against one another. Our disagreement is the enemy of our soul, the one who came to seek to kill, to steal, and destroy. 
Because his only threat, he's a defeated foe anyway. Let's just go ahead and put that out there. He is a defeated foe, but he's a liar and he's the father of it. And his only threat today is this body of believers, is the church of Jesus Christ. And the more he can keep us divided, the more he can keep us bickering and arguing against one another, the more influence he has over this world. As I said, <clears throat> there are many reasons for this. And it's easy to, 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 to blame something or someone. But there are forces out there. And some of the most common ones that, that I think you all agree are some of the media outlets. I mean, you can't even turn on the TV without being bombarded with evil influence, with bad news, brother rising against brother in some form or fashion. There's social media platforms, Facebook, X, Twitter, probably a few others out there that old people like me don't know. And there's even evidence to suggest that there are foreign governments that are manipulating our media streams to help to try and influence elections in this country. And that, that's, been, that's been demonstrated. There are also no shortage of shows on Sunday morning uh, where political, political pundits are, are inviting our, our legislators in. They're inviting, they're inviting other social <clears throat> people in to talk about the state of the union, the state of this country. And they're spinning their webs. And um, there's, uh, there's a term that uh, out there, it's called confirmation bias. And it's the tendency to search for or to favor and even recall information that conforms or supports my own beliefs and my values. I mean, it's easy, it's easy to find someone, you know, that if, if, especially when they're quoting scripture, you know, that, that we agree with. And uh, when, when, they're, when they're not challenging us to think for ourselves, if they're just, just spouting a bunch of, of information that, that feeds into our fear, and that's exactly what they want to do. There are politicians out there. Next year is election year. And of course, you know, you're, we're starting to see a lot of, of fear-mongering ramp up uh, where um, you've got one side that accuses the other of stripping my rights, taking away my right to do this, my right to do that, or forcing me to do this, or forcing me to do that. I mean, look what COVID did to this country. And, it, it, and, 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 that, and that continues to brew, not just as it relates to COVID, but it also relates to, to other social matters, to political matters. And um, it's very easy to inappropriately assign motives to people who, who do things like that, or anyone who is opposed to us you know, must be against us. And if either you're not for me, you must be against me. And there's a term that sociologists have coined, and you may have heard Pastor Joel speak about it. It is a big word. Um, it's motive attribution. I'm sorry, motive misattribution. 
asymmetry. And basically, it's, it's a big word that, that basically means that if you don't agree with me, you automatically are opposed to me. And we ought to be able to have differences of opinion without being disagreeable. Nevertheless, it often becomes a self-perpetuating cycle so that on election day, we, we have to walk into the election booth and pick the best of the worst. And in the words of that great theologian, Jerry Garcia, he said, constantly choosing the lesser of two evils is still choosing evil. Again, as Pastor Bob Roberts said a few weeks ago, Christians, we need a savior. We don't need somebody that can be elected and sitting in the office on 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. And we need to take a good hard look at the credit or the expectations that we have of our elected officials. Because as Daniel said in, in chapter 2, verses 20, through 22. Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals the deep hidden things, and he knows what is in the darkness, and light dwells with him. So you see, God sees the end from the beginning. And we read this in Isaiah 46, verses 9 through 10. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all of my purpose. Now, I must confess that I, too, get anxious, get overwhelmed when I see what's going on in the world today. Earthquakes in diverse places. I mean, some, some of this stuff sounds like a revelation. It's just, you know, right around the corner. You know? But just remember this. Jesus said that the Son of Man knoweth not the day nor the time. Okay? But it, easy, it is very easy to get wrapped up in all the hype and sensationalism that we see going on on the news and in social media. And like you, I really do worry about the future that we're leaving our young people. But Jesus said not to worry. Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. 
They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They neither toil nor do they spin. Yet I tell you, Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, clothes the grass of the fields, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you have need of them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So Pastor Chris Eads a few weeks ago spoke about this very, very scripture about seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and this being the way or the path to shalom, true peace. Shalom is a greeting that is often used in Hebrew communities. And um, in this country, we, we tend, to, tend to think of it as peace. And while peace is a good thing, peace is not just the absence of noise. But shalom actually speaks to a wholeness, a completeness, harmony, prosperity, tranquility, and more. So when we allow God's kingdom to come in us and through us, we help translate and transfer Christ's kingdom to the world he came to save. We seem to have lost our ability to have intelligent conversations, difficult conversations, both inside and outside the church where we can disagree without being disagreeable yet still work together toward a common cause. God's word calls us to be better than this. Romans chapter 12, verse 18. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all people. And in the book of Hebrews chapter 12, Verses 14 through 15, we're told to strive for peace with everyone and for holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. And see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God and that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble 
By it many have become defiled. First Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is within you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. No shortage of scriptures that talk about this. So, and then there's Philippians chapter 4, verses 5 through 7. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which suppresses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. In Christ Jesus. So what do we do with this? That's an awful lot of scripture, Pastor Jack. I did my research. What do we do with this? What does, what does reconciliation look like? First, let me be clear that what we have talked about up until this point deals exclusively with social and political matters and not with interpersonal conflicts interpersonal relationships that we may have with other people. They're very complicated, and that's another subject, another sermon for a different day. But what we have talked about is the effect it's having on the body of Christ and on our nation. As believers, we can no longer isolate ourselves from the world Jesus said that we are in the world, but not of the world. Now, that doesn't mean that we isolate ourselves in our own little cliques with people who agree exclusively with everything that we believe. Jesus didn't do that. And I'm not suggesting that you compromise your testimony. In fact, I'm, I'm not suggesting that, that you compromise on anything that the Word of God says. Jesus didn't compromise on the law as it was known in his day. Yet he met a social outcast of Jewish society. A despised Samaritan woman at the well. And to be frank, she was probably also even an outcast of her own society, which is why she came to get water in the middle of the day. Most people came to get water in the morning when it was still cool. She came in the middle of the day so that she wouldn't have to face any, hoping she wouldn't have to face anyone. And there she met Jesus. Consider also the parable of the Good Samaritan where a Jewish man had fallen among robin, robbers and was left beaten and left for dead. A rabbi came along and saw him and walked over on the other side of the street so he wouldn't have to deal with him. He didn't want to be defiled. A Levite priest came along. Likewise, crossed over to the other side of the road. And then along came a Samaritan, a despised Samaritan. Jews hated the Samaritans because they were considered half-breeds 
and wanted nothing to do with them, and in fact, would often go way around an area so that they wouldn't even have to pass through their territory. So now, if that shoe had been on the other foot, I just wonder how that would have worked out. Based on the example we've been given, I would venture to say that it probably would not have happened. But I do want to leave you with four steps that are by no means inclusive or exhaustive, but it's a place to start. And the first and the best place to start with anything like that is always in prayer. God, you know my heart. You know I have a disagreement with this person. He knows it better than we do. And he knows the words better than you do too. But this person bears your image and is the same person that Jesus Christ loved enough to stretch his arms out on a cross to save. Humble my spirit so that there is no more of me and only you that shines through. Let your Holy Spirit speak words through me that will help start this process. Next thing we need to do is we need to learn to listen to what is at the heart of the issue. All too often in our society today, people seem to want to listen to respond. They basically listen long enough till they can come up with a response. And I got you. Rather than listening to what's truly at the heart of the matter. People, we're really not that different. We're really not that different. And if we really took the time to listen to people who have differing opinions, we may find that we probably have a lot more in common than we're really willing to admit. The best way, the next step, I'm sorry, to reconciliation is trying to understand the person's point of view so well that you could speak it back to them in such a way that they would say, that's exactly how I feel. And how do you do that? You do that by asking honest questions. Say, look, I really don't understand the differences in opinion that we share, but I care enough about you. I want to understand why you feel the way that you do. Ask open-ended questions. Be careful how you do that. Don't start with, why do you always do this? That's going to backfire on you, I promise. But Jesus asked lots of questions. You know, sometimes we really don't even know where to start. So you, you know, if you're looking for, a, for an opener, just look how he approached the woman at the well. How he approached her. What did he say? Can I have a drink of water? And that created a doorway for a conversation to happen. A few weeks ago, we were sharing in an elders meeting. Pastor Bob McHenry, who's also a Gideon, was passing out Bibles, New Testament, 
down on the campus of Shepherd University. And the Lord had placed a burden on his heart to speak to a young lady. And it's a bright, sunny day. And he looked over and she was, she was looking at her phone, scrolling. And the sun, the sun was just beating down. And, and his, his opening line was, you know, good afternoon. I see you scrolling on your phone. How can you see that as bright as the sun is shining? And she's, you know, of course, confessed, oh, I have no problem seeing it. But that opened the door. That opened the door for Bob to have a conversation with her. And through that conversation, Bob asked her if she went to church. And she said, well, no, I was raised in church. And my parents used to take us all the time. And then my parents divorced. And I haven't been back to church since. That opened the door, people. Just a general conversation. Ask the Holy Spirit, give me words to say, God. Give me words to say. And it doesn't have to be something great and theological by any stretch of means. I mean, there, there's, there's a couple of examples right there. You know, the blind man, blind Bartimaeus, was, was along the road, you know, hollering and, and yelling, uh, Savior, have mercy on me. And, and when Jesus approached him, Jesus said, what can I do for you? So again, doesn't have to be great or theological. It could be something very simple. And last, don't expect immediate results. Scripture talks about one person plants, another waters, but it is God who brings the harvest. So by your example, by your approach of genuine caring for another person that Jesus Christ came to save, can plant that seed that someday may reap a harvest of souls into the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray. God, you have given us the ministry of reconciliation because it's important to you. You are a redeemer of broken things, redeemer of broken conditions, broken people. Teach us how to have better conversations. Teach us how to listen to hear through your ears, to see through your eyes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hi, everybody. Pastor Joel here, and I am so glad you stopped by. I pray this podcast helps you in your walk with God. And if you're listening with questions about faith of any sort, God is not afraid of those questions, and neither are we. Join us any Sunday morning at 9 o'clock or 11 o'clock in the morning. If you're new to our area and looking for a church home, I hope we'll see you soon and have the opportunity to welcome you properly and personally through our doors. And if you live in the tri-state area, but you're already a part of one of the other phenomenal church families here, I pray this podcast has been a great addition to the primary teaching you already receive from your local pastor and that you've been better equipped to serve your own church family. So let's all go make Jesus famous this week. Share his love every chance you get until we meet again. And God bless you.